0: Love Talk Radio I have an emergency. What is your location? For yourself. morning. Yes, indeed, there is a war every day, all the time. Welcome to the war. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful, that you've kept your word, that you have promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. You have told us what this was going to be like. You are now giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to experience the power of your deliverance, your presence, and the severity of the war, actually, Father. So we thank you now for giving us hearts to believe and be encouraged this day. Lord God, I thank you for causing us to speak as the oracles of God, to encourage the hearts of your people, that your Holy Spirit stir us up, uh, conclude, correct, uh, bring us to the place, Lord God, of revelation, where we will stand. And having done all, we'll stand, Lord God, and not be defeated, not be discouraged. And I thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You finished that work. You finished it well. You took us, delivered us from the powers of darkness, and you delivered um, the keys of hell and death back to yourself, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, that you come with wisdom and power. And we ask for that continued divine protection provision over us, that no weapon formed against your people will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the evil one will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach, uh, the, even the hindrances, the delays, the harassment the haranguing of the enemy. Give us wisdom to persevere, Father God, and to prevail against him. And I thank you, Jesus. You are the faithful witness, so we pray that you teach us now. You are the counselor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.
1: Well, here we go.
0: Yes. I suppose we should tell the people every once in a while who we are. I'm Margie, and you're...
1: I'm Jerry. Yeah. I'm her husband through marriage.
0: Yes. That's been a long time, too. Yes, yeah.
1: it has been. Yeah. so so, we, our topic today is giving up on God.
2: Easy guess, to I do guess, sometimes. I, I guess
1: we could say giving up on God, or we could ask the question Are you giving up on God? Are, Are you, tempted? you giving up on God, or have been tempted to give up mm-hmm. on God? And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's quite a topic that we're dealing with here today.
0: Well, it's, an, it's a very powerful topic because I think it's something we every day go through, and we're po- uh, uh, the question is, is posed to us every day. You know, are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep believing? Uh, uh, you know, and like P- Peter said, well, yeah, well, where should we go? Where can we go? Ultimately, it gets to that point. But the whole thing about this life, really, this temporal, earthbound part of our pilgrimage is about testing and trusting. It's about trusting God.
1: Trusting God no matter what and, and persevering, uh, you know. I remember th- I was reading a book several years ago, and he said, how many Christians that you know that started out very strong and have endured throughout their whole lifetime and have finished stronger than they started out? They finished their course, like Paul said, mm-hmm. finished. I want to finish my course with joy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, Victory. And so there's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, start strong and, and kind of drop out and give up, and some come back, some don't seem to come back. So uh, here we go.
0: Yeah. So you know, if our life, what it is, is is it's a relationship. This whole uh, war between God and Satan for the souls of men is based on God's love for us and Satan's hatred for us, and is determined that he can break us up, break up our relationship with God. And so he does that through testing, through tempting us to give up, through trials, to get us to believe that the promises of God, that we've committed ourselves to believing that those promises are, are not going to come through, that we're just, you know, we're, it's a scam. that God is a scam.
1: Satan was given permission to test Job. There's a classic example of someone, if anybody was tempted to pawn God, but yet persevered, persevered to it all. It was Job, you know, and, and Satan basically says to God and comes before the throne of God and said, look at Job. And God says, have you seen my servant Job?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's a righteous man. He, he turns away from evil. He, he was, you know, uh, we read that he was praying for his kids every day. He was a very wealthy person, a very great man, well-respected. But then Satan was allowed to just basically touch his stuff. His servants were killed, his sons and daughters were killed, his his uh, oxen, his camels, his donkeys, his, his livelihood, his wealth was just gone in in a very sudden fashion.
0: Well, you know, I think what Satan was doing here was he was testing Job's motivation, For following God, and I think that's one of the ways we get tested is on our motivation. Are we going to follow God no matter what what it feels like or looks like, whether it goes good or bad? And we know that the enemy is never going to reward any of God's people. The only way we get anything is through the goodness of God, because Satan would take it all away if he could.
1: It's interesting where uh, in Job chapter 1, verse 9, and following there uh, through verse 12. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But he said, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So he says, basically, he said, "God, you've given him all this stuff, and he he loves you because you've given him all this stuff. He mm-hmm. he loves you because you've it's been he, he's been blessed with material things. You take away his material things, and you you'll see. God, he, Satan was saying, God, you'll see. He'll curse you. He just believes you. He just trusts you. He just honors you." Because you give him all this stuff. And
0: because he's afraid that if he doesn't, you'll take it away. It's interesting that um, God permitted the enemy. God does have a hedge around us. You better believe he does or we'd be dead right now. But the thing is, God permitted it because why? He said, well, why would God even do such a horrible, horrible thing? I mean, this is unspeakable. Why would God permit these kind of horrible things to happen? Well, it's because God is just and because there's a rule. And the rule between God and Satan in this war is only one simple rule. The rule is whom we choose to obey or listen to that who get, that is whose servant or slave we become. and so if we listen to God, we yield to God, believe God, His promises, then we uh, are blessed and protected by God, and establishing uh, our faith in Him and His righteousness, His word. But if we fall for the immediate circumstances, then we can be um, brought under the counsel of the, a lie and serve the liar. But now it's interesting, honey, that in this particular case, Job was being tested and his riches, his wealth, his children, was being taken away and, got, and, and, and the devil wanted to prove to God that Job wouldn't be faithful. However, Satan can, can test us with great wealth or he can give people prosperity, which he did in this country for a while, which causes us as well to fall away from God. So prosperity doesn't necessarily keep you close to God. It, it, with Job, it, it doesn't matter. Whichever way the devil flips it, he can use poverty, he can use prosperity. He can use whatever he can use to, to bring about an excruciating examination of your motives. So then we have to move to one more word, not only motives, but expectation. What are we expecting to get out of all this?
1: Well, right. And then, you know, Satan takes him a step further. He mm-hmm. said, okay, he seems like he's holding his integrity. So Job he, is, Job is. Yeah. Job is. And, and Satan says, well, you just touch his body. We, we <clears> take away his stuff, his servants, his kids. But when you touch him personally, when you, when you, when he says, I'm going to leave, uh, touch his health. He says, skin for skin, uh, Satan said, yes, all, all that a man has he will give for his life, but, but but, now stretch out your hand, God. Touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan uh, in Job 2, verse 6, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd, with which to scrape, and there was a broken piece of pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Mm-hmm. And he, and he, but he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, Job did not understand. What was the, going on what was going on he did not understand the spiritual mm-hmm. forces, the activity of Satan behind that but here's here's job's wife and sometimes we give her a really hard time. she just lost everything her husband's sick she just lost all her kids. He says, listen, forget this God stuff, curse God and well die.
0: sometimes that's what the devil does he'll bring your best friends or your mate into that place of discouragement and they'll give you bad advice. And that will also be part of the test. That was also part of the test that she was being used at that moment by the enemy, not, she wasn't supporting her husband or strengthening or encouraging him. She was um, being used by the enemy to discourage him. But it's interesting. We must understand when Satan assumed that Job would do everything or anything he could to preserve his life, you know, skin for skin, that Jesus says, he gives us the remedy for this. Jesus says, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will keep it. And so the key is, Paul says, I die daily. Paul goes through a litany of bad things that were happening to him. And he, it didn't matter. To, he says, if I live, I live. If I die, I die. Basically, it, I am the Lord's. I belong to the Lord. And and so his whole life had transferred ownership from himself to that of the Lord. His body was not his own. I'm not my own. i bought with a price. We're dead with Christ. And so, therefore, if we're trying to, he, like I said, he who seeks to save his life, if you're trying to preserve it, control it, defend it, any of those kinds of activities, it's just going to bring us into more harassment and frustration.
1: maybe jump over to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is a, really a watershed in the Gospels. It talks about, you know, Jesus being the uh, bread of life. Uh, that's a big share of that. And a lot of the teaching he talks about, um, it's the spirit that gives life. John six sixty three. the flesh prophets, nothing. Mm-hmm. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And he said, there are some of you who do not believe For Jesus, verse 64, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. So, and he says, verse 65, uh, therefore, and he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. And it's these two verses. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They basically kind of gave up on God. They thought, this is too hard to understand. I, I don't, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know if I can do this. I don't sense. know if this is going to work. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus said in verse 67 to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter, and you referred to this earlier, Marjorie, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So here's well, the temptation. Many mm-hmm. of the disciples, many that had begun to follow, went away. They, in a sense, gave up on God, gave up on this following Jesus. But Peter, on the other hand, affirms, and he says, listen, we I, I am sure, I know, I understand you're the Christ. we got really no place else to go. And, and this that's tr- true of us, too. Where else are we going to go? If we're going to give up on mm-hmm. God, where are we
0: going to go? Well, the thing is, though, that this was a statement Peter made early in the ministry or maybe midway through it. And um, in 19 of Matthew, he also says, asks, as they're talking more about uh, the, their rewards and what's what, what do we get for, for doing this, you know, uh, verse 27 of Matthew 19. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So again, he's still thinking of this in terms of monetary gain or em- emotional, financial, physical uh, advantage. Power. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: Power, prestige. Wh- what are we going to get out of this? And that's, that's an approach that a lot of us take and and there's a certain truth to that what but, am i going to get out of it if i follow the lord but then there's something there's a lot more to it than that
0: well but but that's the deadly approach if you are looking at serving the lord for what you re, can get out of it the rewards it's not going to be enough to keep you sustain you what's going to have to what really the only thing that sustains us in this walking this living for jesus is dying dying to ourselves quit being so afraid you know, what people will think or what you will do or can't do or might not do or what God might be wanting you to do or being afraid that you're going to fail or whatever, and just stand for God, you know, because you're already dead. Come on. Technically, you're still, you know, hanging out in the earth, but really we have been dead to all these things. So Peter says, what's in it for us? Jesus said to them, "Assuredly, I say to you. So he's answering Peter in the context of what Peter was asking. Jesus said that in the regeneration when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory. Okay. whoa, stop in the regeneration when it all gets redone, uh, when the earth gets rolled up and redone, when this earth is no more as it we appear as it is now in the regeneration of all things, when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, this is the point that we are looking towards. This is the expectation when the son of man sits, on the throne of his glory you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel in other words you're going to have position power authority everyone who has left houses and any everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters families fathers mothers or wives or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life for many who are first will be last and the last will be first you know in this world we are pretty much the last the last in line, the off scouring of the earth as Paul talks about it. But the thing is, you know, we have to look, our expectation is not to receive the reward or the, even the answers to all of our prayers, even in this world. This world is about a fight. This is not about sitting down, resting and having a vacation. This is about declaring the goodness of God and remaining faithful in our faith in believing that he is true he loves us. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is coming back. And I'm thinking that as we see the, the events of these last days that we're in, the critical uh, atrocities, the terrorism, the explosions, the the death, the bloodshed, the economic collapses, the this and that, that all of us know in our spirit that things aren't right. And we are not quite sure whether we're going to, as a planet, as a civilization, survive. And so I would think that even as these events are very negative and very hostile and dangerous to everyone, that those of us who have hope in God can look for that day when, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory. And that needs to be a primary consideration, not what am I going to get down here, but where am I going to end up forever, if that makes Sense to you that needs to be the priority.
1: Well, we're, we're going to look today at a lot of the reasons
0: why people give up. Me. Yeah, why, who
2: who
1: do we read about in scripture that kind of gave up on God, and then um, why did they do that, or why, what are some of the reasons why people just give up on <laughs> God, quote unquote? Um, one well, of the I can th-
0: tell you that in, in, in three words. Three little words can answer that question. It's too hard.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. And we're going to talk about aspects of that. But here's one of the things, and you, you already mentioned, Marjorie, about false expectations. Uh,
0: boy, that covers well, a lot of ground, the too. Well, let's actual what happened to him. Let's look at the reality and see what why he wouldn't have given up on God. It's well, kind of crazy why he didn't. Well, let's let's look at
1: uh, Matthew chapter ten, verses thirty four through thirty nine. Now here's now this Jesus Jesus is is very hardcore. He's very loving. He's very gracious. Mm-hmm. But he he gives really a kind of a hardcore response of what it means to follow him. He says in Matthew ten thirty four through thirty nine. He says, "Do not think." that I came to bring peace on the earth. Now, he came to bring peace in our hearts,
2: Mm -hmm. right? Right, exactly. But not
1: on the earth. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. In other words, he says, okay, I'm here to... This is war. (laughs) I'm here to to pick a fight. Mm -hmm. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Cross. Ooh, who wants that? Mm -hmm. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, this is contrary to American values.
0: Well, can I say something about this verse? It's kind of interesting. He says, for I have come to set a man against his father, et cetera, et cetera. You know, our expectation, if we don't recalibrate our paradigm and look at this thing as when Jesus entered into this world, it was already in a mess. It had already been broken and bloodshed everywhere. Of
2: course, Yeah.
0: So it wasn't that he was going to start something new and start all these fights. They were already in progress. Um, But what he was saying is because I'm coming now to give the option that people are going to make a choice to follow me. And that is going to set them up in opposition to their household or members of their family because they're not all going to see it the same way. So it wasn't like Jesus is going to come ignite this thing. It was already burning. But the thing that happens here is that if we don't if we don't understand that this is war, if we don't understand that your life is about a battle for righteousness and truth and victory and justice and to overcome the lie. If we don't understand that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that you may easily be his next victim. You may be his lunch because we have got to stop thinking, you know, in America, we're, we're sedated, seduced into believing that we should have it nice, that, yeah, it would be nice to have it nice. But is that really where it got us anywhere in a positive place? We are so confused and screwed up emotionally, morally, that it's time for us Christians. You're going to have to make a choice, people. You can't stay sitting on the fence. You can't live anymore in the middle of the road. It's get in or get out. You know, we talked about that last time. You're going to lose your life. You're going to keep it. Some people are trying to figure out ways to save their life. Don't worry about trying to save. That's a waste of your energy, your time, and maybe your resources. What you need to do is give your life completely over to God and say, "God, I'm yours. I'm your problem. If you want me to live, I live. If you don't, if I, I die and it come to you, and you're going to help me, you're going to protect me." And so, stop becoming fearful because mo- most of us are living in that place, uh, or trying. The enemy's pushing us to try to live in that place, or getting us to live in the corner of fear and oh no, and what if, and anxiety, and I can't sleep and what am I going to do, you know, to keep my life? And then in the process of that, he's, he's, he's beating us over the head with discouragement. Why didn't God answer that prayer? Where is God? Why is God letting all this bad stuff happen to me? And because we don't understand that, we're just being taken out. So um,
1: so the word wait, W-A-I-T, is a very dirty word in, in our society. We don't want to wait. We've got to have faster computers, fast, 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 fast food, fast, fast, mm-hmm. fast. Who wants to wait? I want it now. I want it all. And I want it now, Yeah, now, or if not sooner, or, and that was so 15 seconds ago, that sort of thing. But you think of a lot of people give up on God when they, because of the waiting, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you, you pray and you answer prayer and you have a promise from mm-hmm. God and you, you don't really want to Or you think you have a promise from God. Well, Abraham had a definite promise from God. He's Mm -hmm. going to have a son. But he got kind of tired of waiting, and his wife got kind of tired of waiting. They finally, you know, they waited 25 years for Mm -hmm. Isaac to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how many people would wait 25 years for a promise to be fulfilled? And so uh, one day they had been in the land of Canaan, in this promised land, for 10 years,
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: still no promised son. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, Sarah gets the idea. Hey, I'm not having any children. Why don't you just take my uh, handmaid and uh, let's have relations with her? And this is maybe the way God's going to do it. So, so a lot of times, what we do is, and that's why we got the Ishmaelites, we got the Arabs, we got the we got the curse of that. um,
0: Not that these people are all cursed.
1: they They were blessed. Mm-hmm. They were blessed by God. Mm-hmm. They have been uh, op- opposing the children of the promise
2: mm-hmm. for well, years
1: and years and years as, as conflict. a people. So, But basically, it was like we get tired of waiting, so let's take things into our own hands. I know a shortcut.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know a shortcut. Let's take the shortcut. And it, it got to be a real grief that we still have uh, going on.
0: You know, let me just kind of clarify in case people think that there's something wrong with being Arab. I think they're cool people. Jesus, first of all, in the beginning, God identified the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, Abraham's Isaac, kids of Isaac, to be the heirs of, you know, they were the Jewish nation. But later when Jesus came, he opened it up for the Gentiles and Arabs are part of the Gentiles, although they have Abraham as their father. So, whether you're a Gentile or a Jew, it does not matter. God is no respecter of persons. Whosoever will can come to the Lord, and it's not have, it's a, God has, it has nothing to do with skin color. Satan is trying to make all these wars and divisions and agitations and riots over skin color, and God is colorblind. He loves people. He loves us all. everybody, every race, every uh, represents an aspect of His character. Um, and as far as, as that goes, but you're, again, when we get impulsive or impetuous, Satan will come with a, a, a solution that will actually um, uh, push the envelope, so to speak, and put God in a difficult place uh, because they were not willing to wait. And so that's why when we get into a difficult place, many times Satan will push us into that place. And then get us to take a, a quick fix or, like you said, a shortcut.
1: We're gonna make something happen.
0: We're gonna, yeah, cheat. Yeah. We're gonna lie. We're gonna do a, a quick scheme over here, over there, sc- scam and con people or whatever we're gonna do. And it, there are no shortcuts with the Lord. It's all you gotta go through the whole deal. It's like the farmer. There are no real shortcuts to planting a crop. You, you know, if you try to shortcut it, it's gonna end up being not there for you. He says in Second Timothy, the hardworking farmer must first you know, partake of the crops, um, and, but he also has to wait for them. He has to labor, he invests, he plants, he, he weeds, he uh, prays, you know, whatever he does. But there, with God, there are no shortcuts to growing up in God. You have to, you're under the management of the Holy Spirit, although the devil would like to counterfeit that management system and put you under his management and a counterfeit uh, antichrist spirit thinking you're being led by God. But you'll know, you can know easy enough by the fruit. If the fruit that's coming out of your life is arrogance or ego or impatience or attitude, you are listening to someone other than the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit does not cultivate arrogance, ego, and impatience. He cultivates the love for God. And that love for God is going to be tested and tried. That's what it says in everywhere in the Bible. Jesus talks about even, you know, going back to someone who could have given up on God like Paul. I, I really like those verses in 1st um, and 2nd Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 in 1st Corinthians chapter 4. He says, even to this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, We're poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure it. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made the filth of the world, the obscuring of all things until now. Now, Paul isn't saying, wow, this is what I get for serving the Lord. I get beaten. I'm homeless. How many of us would say, whoa, I'm not going to, that that doesn't work for me to serve God because I end up beaten and homeless and picked on and You know, many of you already are suffering like this and don't quite recognize it. I think many of you go to work and people hate you because their spirit is not God's spirit. And so there's this demon inside of them rises up against the spirit of God instead of you. And they make false accusations. They steal your promotions. They they make up lies about you. You won't go with them to their parties. And they they plot against you because they hate you and they want to prove you to be wrong And so they try to remove you from the right, rightful positions, God would have you. Uh, And then the people who are scoundrels get elevated to the positions of leadership. And in the company, they're the ones who are stealing. They're the ones who are cheating and lying and they get the positions in the government as well. It seems very much the same. Uh, And you say, well, how can this be justice? Well, in this world where the devil runs it, that is the devil's justice. That is his justice is injustice, offense, uh, lies, thievery. So his, his economic systems, his political systems, his justice systems have taken over all of our systems. But nonetheless, that doesn't give you an excuse. There are no excuses. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said, your soldiers, you know, buck up people. Yeah, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entangled in, engaged in the war entangles himself in the affairs of this life. What he's saying is, yeah, we have opportunities in this life do certain things to maintain your house, your family, your, your livelihood, whatever. But we are always first and primary ambassadors of Jesus Christ, uh, representatives of the kingdom of God uh, engaged in war and God. It's kind of a interesting dynamic. If you really look at your life like this, it begins to make more sense in terms of what is happening to you. So you won't get so discouraged. And then second Corinthians, Paul is still, he says again, we're hard pressed on every side got it are you there um yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair struck down but not destroyed always caring about the body the dying lord jesus that the life of jesus may also be manifested in our body so the whole purpose of all of this persecution is for jesus to be magnified in our body and this is if you signed up for the the war you signed up to be on Jesus's side. This is what part of it is.
1: Well, Jeremiah had to deal with that sort of thing. I mean, he didn't. He he prophesied of Jesus,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he was serving God as a prophet in a, in a very his ministry was extremely unpopular. Absolutely. People, they uh, they list they they listened to him, but they didn't hear what he had to say mm-hmm. in a sense. He said, uh, he got to one point in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses um, 7 through 9. He says, oh, Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder. He was warning them about Mm -hmm. the judgment that was to come because of the disobedience of the people of God. Behold, the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a division daily. There wasn't respect for the word. There was, Mm-mm. oh, that was it, it was something people regarded as shameful and scornful.
0: They didn't want to hear.
1: Didn't want to hear it.
0: What he was trying to say, what he wanted to
1: say. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. He said, oh, forget it. I might as well just, he said, I'm not going to speak anymore. He said, I said, this is just too hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody's interested. Nobody's listening. Forget mm-hmm. it. Why should I keep speaking out? Mm-hmm. And nobody's listening. Putting my, me, yep. putting my neck on the line. Putting my neck on the line. But then, but it says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, mm-hmm. and I could not. So he, he, kept, he kept going because the word of God he had was to. the greatest reality in his life. And so it's a mm-hmm. matter. And God had told him
2: mm-hmm.
1: right from the beginning when he was called. You're going to speak to them. You're going to speak my word. I'm putting your word, my word, in your mouth. You're going to speak to them. They're going to oppose you. They're going to resist you. But I've made you like a brass wall, an iron pillar, like a brass wall. I've made you. I'm with you. I'm going to stand with you. So keep on standing. And even though Jeremiah here at this point, what we just read, and at many other points, just to give up, he kept going. He did not give up yeah. on God.
0: Well, and you know, um, you stop and think about it. I, I really believe that we are in the days right now where God is going to call up many Jeremiah's, many Noahs, many Moseses, many preachers of righteousness, Isaiahs, who are going to stand up and get in the face of the liars, get in the face of the God of this world, not in arrogance, but in obedience. Not because we're going to try to take matters into our own hands, but because there's a fire that God has started burning in our bones where we're going to stand for the truth and we cannot be quiet. And this is exactly what the devil fears the most. He, fear, you know, he's trying to pull the net in on everybody, the global net, the net, the internet, the net, however you want to put it. He's pulling a global net uh, hoodwink over the eyes of the, and the souls of the lives of this world. But there are some, there are the Jeremias. There are the 144,000. There are the young prophets of God. And pray to God that they will have the right message because they've got some zeal, but they need to have the wisdom as well. But that you, you can do this. You don't have to be, um, you know, maybe your name isn't Jeremiah, but why not be a Jeremiah? Why not be an, uh, a Noah? Why not be a teller of truth, a stand one who would stand in righteousness to not... Uh, be ashamed Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel well I'm ashamed of a lot of the gospel versions out there that are not the one true gospel and I really don't want anything to do with them but there is one true gospel and I'm not ashamed of of Jesus Christ who is our hero but he did tell us it was going to get like this and so he even said am I really going to find faith on the earth when I get back he says if it were possible even the very elect would be deceived there's no way that we're going to get through this fiery trial without the counsel and the, the strengthening of the internalization of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and leading in, uh, him and following him, leading us and following him obediently. There's no way. But if you are not afraid, and if you are afraid, you are still listening to the liar. Perfect love casts out fear.
1: Well, you know, all of us are going to get in trouble no matter what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so let's, let's just might as well get in trouble for the right cause that has a reward and uh, Paul said in Galatians five eleven, he says um, uh, and I brethren if I still preach circumcision
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's writing to people that were going back to old fashioned Jewish religion why do I still suffer persecution then the offense of the cross has ceased so the, po- the point I want to make here is that there is an offense to the cross when you preach the cross. Right. It is offensive to, to the, the powers of, of darkness. use the of Jesus Christ. It's, it's offensive. Mm-hmm. Don't use the name of Jesus. Don't talk to me about the cross. And, and it, you can talk about any other God, any mm-hmm. other false fable that you want, but when you talk about the gospel and specifically Jesus Christ,
0: there's that is the offense. Power.
1: Yeah, it's instant offense. Yeah. But Paul said, he says, I preach, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 1.23-24, he says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jew, mm-hmm. a stumbling block. Greeks or to the Gentiles foolishness, but those who are called both Jews and Greeks, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So there is, there is that well, offense, but absolutely. it's the thing, but we, if we do not preach this gospel, mm-hmm. if we back off, uh, we, we need to be there's an it's an offense to God. It, it's right. a disappointment to God mm-hmm. if we are not in that place of declaring this wonderful gospel.
0: And, you know, the thing is, a lot of times people, uh, a lot of energy comes through anger. People get angry and then they clean their house. They get angry and then they use that energy to do something positive or negative. Uh, we cannot go after this thing in anger. It, it, you'll wear out. You'll burn out. You'll blow up. You'll 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 crash. It's not anger. I mean You know we're we are not it, we're not angry at them. They the people are not our enemy. And and so many times with all the the right. ridiculous behavior, the injustices, the offense, the lies, the crimes that are committed, <laughs> tell them ten million a second out there. You know, it's hard not to be angry, but we have to keep turning that over to God, forgiving them because we're not, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is for truth and righteousness, and we need to we need to fight from a place of peace, that assurance, not because we're mad at them, not because we're mad at the devil or our system. This is the way it was going to be. This is it. This is the way God told Read the book of Revelations. It's getting, going to get worse. But the thing that God you and I, here's our chance to really find out what God made us of. You know, we've been kind of living in our own little uh, politically correct, trying to get by, not stepping on too many toes, don't offend anybody world. And God is saying, you know what? Kids, time to rise up. You know, it's time to stand up. And nobody can stand up for you. I mean, they can stand up for you and take your side, but only you can stand up on behalf of the Lord God yourself. Um, Jesus says, "Those who deny me, I will have to deny them before my Father and His angels. Those who don't forgive others, I cannot forgive. If you want mercy, you have to give mercy." So the the thing here is to fight from a position not of anger, but from or fear, but from love. Love one another. You know, love is the most powerful. Love forgives. Love endures. Love never fails. And Satan is trying to get us to get mad at one another. That is not the solution. And to the other thing is to get defensive or defend your position. If God is correcting you, then get corrected, correction, and get in the right spot.
1: Well, there are a lot of people, I think, that give up on God because they do not understand this the concept, the reality, the truth of spiritual warfare. Yeah. You know, our enemies, as you said, Marjorie, it's not, it's not people, it's not flesh and blood, it's principalities and powers. And
0: spiritual, and spiritual wickedness, spiritual work, high
1: places, yeah, yes. As, as we read in Ephesians chapter uh, six, mm-hmm. uh, principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, mm-hmm. and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, we have this is massive, sometimes people say, "Oh man, I have, I'm no match mm-hmm. for all this." Well, we are in ourselves, we're no match for all these demonic ranks and, and, and armies, but in in the name of Jesus, we have He's given us the whole armor of God. Mm-hmm. He's given us authority in, in His name. Mm-hmm. He's given us protection, peace, grace the tools he's given
0: the promise. The
1: mighty the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal but mighty not human God. but mighty through God to the pulling out, down of strongholds, casting down a major nations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so Paul Paul told Timothy, he said um, he says, be strong in the grace Second Timothy chapter two, verses one and following here. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And um, he says, in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship, or mm-hmm. hardness, it says, in the King James, as a good what soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as so this is this is war when you when you come to Christ you you you've joined the war the war <laughs> some some battles are over for you but a lot of the, yeah. the main battles just have just begun
0: Well the problem is we sit we, we're in war but what do we do we sit in church on padded pews being entertained by the finest of the most recent technological uh, eye special candy, effects. special effects. Yeah, and then we have this perfect preacher who preaches exactly what we wanted to hear, or we have a preacher who's not perfect and we can criticize him and whatever. That doesn't look like war to me. That looks like a club to me. War is on your knees, making intercession going before the court of heaven, petitioning, presenting your case on your behalf or behalf of someone else, making those arguments and using God's word, giving it back to him, saying, well, here's what you said, going, that's war. It's like the war room movie kind of thing. Uh, it's like going after this thing. We've been taught to be spectators in the church, just like we've been taught to be spectators in the, in the stadiums. And those stadiums are nothing but temples to the to the gods to the to the the God of entertainment, the God of amusement, the god of denial, the god of escapism the the God of the wasting of your time those are shrines and temples and coliseums beautifully built, but what did they ultimately do in the Coliseums? The Christians were the entertainment they were the ones that were eaten by the lions they were the ones that were you know destroyed by the gladiators, whatever. This is war and you can be a warrior when, whether you're four years old, you know, we know people, little kids that are praying constantly and they're, you know, what, they're more warriors than some of us adults who are just whining, trying to get my rights and trying to fuss for this and, and, and trying to defend myself and getting bent out of shape about the stop it. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Use your energy to love and prevail, to forgive, to show mercy, to teach the truth to the lost and to the confused. If you're confused, you're not going to be a very good soldier. If you don't even know what the objective is and what's going on. And some of you know the truth. Now begin to open your mouth. Use your mouth as a weapon. It can be a weapon. It's like a gun. You can use it to shoot your own foot off or you can use it to shoot the enemy. You Use your mouth. There's death and life and the power of the tongue use your your tongue to tell the devil to back off shut up in the name of jesus go back to the pit no you won't just just i have people i saw me yesterday tell me yeah you know i started to listen to what you said and i'm doing it she says you know wow well, she says it works she says, maybe it doesn't work the first time i gotta do it maybe four or five times but it works i says yeah isn't that simple and yet people don't open their mouth open your mouth and don't complain about anything unless you have opened your mouth and used it as a weapon To tell the truth, then, and to declare the devil, tell him where to go, and only then will I entertain any of your whining about anything. Open your mouth; you got one. Use it. The enemy. Tell the truth. Expose the lies. I'm laughing to myself as people are starting, and I praise God for this. Even you know the people who don't profess to be born-again believers are standing up and starting to say, "This is ridiculous." This is, this is not right. We're not going to stand for this. And they're starting to open their mouth in little areas where truth needs to be told. And we have the greatest truth of all. We have the truth himself who said, uh, don't lose heart. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Um, you believe in God, believe also in me. Do you, do, do you believe that? Do you believe You know, our hearts can be troubled. Our minds can be troubled. Our souls can be troubled. Does Jesus say to live in your soul, your mind, or your heart? No. He says, live in your spirit. Let his spirit bear witness with your spirit. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, interesting enough, there are more promises, prophecies, predictions about Jesus' second coming, over 300. There are more promises about his coming again than any of the other promises, predictions, prophecies in the Bible, the second coming. And yet people are just oblivious. It's almost like your brain has been shut off and you don't even compute in those areas. We just think that we eat, we, we're like animals, we eat, we live, we drink, we die. You know, nothing more than that.
1: And, and some people too, backing, backing me up a little bit as to why people give up on God. Some people confuse church and I'm talking about quote unquote church or confuse Christians with God. Or Jesus. Or, or, or Jesus, whatever yeah. we're saying. Um, but, some people say, "Well, you know, I I went to church, and I I, I told I, I've said this for years. There's a lot of people that don't go to church anymore because they've already been there, mm-hmm. um, because they they'd say if this is what God is for, for right. in, in, mm-hmm. in for the most part, what we see of as the church or organized religion or church services is not really expressive." of the nature of jesus christ who he is Mm -hmm. and so some people we we we, uh, a lot of times go to festivals Mm -hmm. where there are just pagan festivals and there are a lot of young adults there that were raised Mm -hmm. in church quote on church and they said we didn't see god there Mm -hmm. so we're looking for god elsewhere Mm -hmm. and so some people give up on They've given up on church, but they haven't given up on God. Or they confuse Christians, with they've given up on Christians. They've seen Christians that haven't, uh, uh, imperfect Christians or things that Christians have done. So they say, well, I'll just forget it. This, there must not be anything to this. This is not real because there's so many people that are really uh, uh, unrepresentative of him.
0: Is there anything that you're doing right now? Is there anybody who has offended you to the point that they are worth going to hell over They are, are they worth for you spending eternity separated from god do you even recognize do we even believe that there is a hell and that it is what god said it is the thing is it's you're gonna you, you have to answer for yourself you you can't read it in the book you can't get it from somebody else you can't have somebody lay hands on you, you get this super special anointing or whatever this stuff has got to be gotten, you know, nobody can eat your food for you. You're going to have to eat your own food, and you're going to have to know that you know the truth for yourself. It's between you and God. Most of us have been running from him. We don't pray. We don't sit around to be quiet. We try to keep our radios on, our TVs going. We're noisy, noisy, noisy all the time. There's, if you're living in the city, there's no end to the sirens and the noise and the honking and the this and that. God wants to speak to each one of us. And I can't tell you how critical this is death. This is life. This is now, you know, it says in Psalm um, 112, there are many Psalms, by the way, where the people were place of being tempted to despair, give up on God. Uh, and that is a temptation to give up on God. And you can tell that spirit um, of discouragement or I give up or where is God you just ask yourself, Who said that? Who's talking to me? Where's that coming from? It's coming up out of my heart. Well what, what's in my heart? My heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked. I thought Jesus was in my heart. Well, Jesus is in our life. He's in you know, his spirit bears witness with our spirit. But that doesn't mean there isn't other discussion going on. I believe the discussion is between your soul and your spirit. And but God, the Lord is gracious. He is full of compassion. He's kind. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. If we understand what this is about, we would be glad. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. Um, You know, uh, Psalm 113, verse 7 says, um, God raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. Um, he, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He, there's, there's promises here that God has to fulfill. And if he doesn't fulfill, he's a liar. And those promises are for you. Claim them. Take a word back to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what you said in your own words. Psalm 115, verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us, both small and great. Um, may the Lord give you increase more and more. God is not opposed to our prospering or being blessed at all. As a matter of fact, he prefers to do that. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. God is the God of goodness, God is the God of blessing. What Satan tries to do is make it look like he is the blessing. He is the God of blessing, and God is the killjoy. God is a, you know, the one who put up all these rules and now we've got to keep them, and God is saying, No, no. I didn't do that. Those rules have been taken care of. I fulfilled the law myself. I died for you. And now the devil's the one trying to get you to hang, be hung on those rules, Forgiven you. If you sin, come to me, just tell me, come into agreement with me, confess your sin, repent, and we've got it taken care of. It says, verse 5 of Psalm 116, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. These are the promises that in the midst of this world that doesn't look like any of that, the devil's trying to make this look the opposite of that. We need to declare who and, and stand for who we believe and know who we believe. It says in verse um, Psalm one eighteen, verse five I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire upon those who hate me. These are the commitments that the righteous people of God, these are the bold warriors. These are the ones who would not, could not be moved because they knew what they believed. They know who I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that, which I've committed to him against that day.
1: These, these folks uh, all through history have stood true to the Lord because mm-hmm. they have the, the revelation of Jesus Christ and it's it's interesting I, I the word revelation means sh- basically it's show and know
2: mm-hmm.
1: that God it's not reasoning figuring it out
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: God revealing something that you know that you know Recognize. that you know mm-hmm. is true mm-hmm. now Paul in Ephesians 1 uh, 15 through uh, 23 This is something that that I I really believe that we need to pray for one another, that we could pray for ourselves. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in, in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling? And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, when he which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come.
0: And lest we be confused about this, these things that we are, you know, encouraging, the standing up, taking a stand for Jesus, telling the truth, not backing down. None of this, we cannot do any of this stuff in our own strength. It has to be through the power and the grace of God. And so you can stand up and say to Jesus, you know, there's no way I can do this. I'm, you know, me, Uh, like Gideon says, who am I? I'm just a scared little guy over here doing nothing. And God calls him a valiant, mighty man a valor. But but remember that this battle is the Lord's and we're simply instruments in his hands. In 1 Peter chapter 5, five verse 5, it says, uh, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen because this is where we go in the power of God. He's the one who establishes. He's the one who strengthens and settles us. And it's all establishes us and it's all for his glory. And so the, the key here is to simply rest in God, receive the revelation of Jesus Christ and rejoice in the finished work of God, rest, receive, rejoice, and of course, resist the lie, resist the devil. So, with that,
1: and as as we conclude here, as much as possible, we need to live with eternity in view. Um,
0: That's I all we have.
1: Eternal perspective, and we we are creatures of time, but we have to live for things that are above this present life and beyond this life. And Amen. someone said this: We are caught when caught between two worlds. The secret is to develop a mindset that sees beyond the style of this world into the substance of the next. Mm-hmm. Someday, this person goes on to say, the fire of God will reveal the quality of our work, leaving either a morass of stubble or something worthy and permanent. Every thought, attitude, and action will be evaluated. Everything in this life, mysteriously enough, takes on meaning in the light of eternity. What we do now has eternal consequences. So, That's
0: true, eternal consequences. And I think that if there's anything else, giving up on God would do, it would destroy your hope of eternity uh, and being forever with him. We don't give up. We may be tempted to, but resist, submit to God, resist the devil.
1: And the stuff of eternity, the value the most valuable thing we can do is is to love people, to love God.
0: That's all we can do for now, because people it's, uh-huh.
1: and and bring people. The people are the ones uh, that can be living with with us and with the Lord forever and ever. So,
0: well, the thing is with that we'll wrap it. But you know, the thing is, to, we don't know eternity. We don't know what that means, sitting on thrones and da 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 whatever. But we do know what Jesus said to do here, and we know what to do here. And like you just said. To love people, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that and love people, and that doesn't mean you just condone everything they do. Not at all. It means that sometimes speaking the truth in love, they grow up. If you don't, they don't grow up. But we can do that. And so, Father, we just thank you for a grace and the opportunities you've given us to stand and having done all to stand, not to give up, to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold of eternal life to declare that you are the one who's faithful to complete the work you've begun in us. This is not our battle. It is yours. It's won. The battle is the Lord's, and the pressure is on you, Lord God. And so we give you praise. Let us rejoice. Let us rest, and let us receive the revelation of Jesus Christ this day for each one. Be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. For yourself.